and said, though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I not be offended. And he said, though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. And likewise also said all the disciples. Simon, do you love me more than the rest of the disciples love me? Could this be what he meant? And especially now more than ever, in light of the cross, could that be why he said, yes, Lord? Because like our Lord taught them, he says, to those who are forgiven, many love much, love much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same, love it. Peter understood that he betrayed Jesus more than all of them, though they all forsook the Lord in the end, did they not? Nevertheless, Peter, feed my lambs. Feed my little ones. Some would argue that it didn't matter whether he used lamb or sheep as he would in the next two petitions. But they're all the same. But I like to think that the reason why is because they all started out as little lambs. And spiritually, in their, in their maturation, they were all still thinking about And so he was tasked with feeding other lambs. And so he needed to go on. Now, that's not the first time Jesus asked Peter this question, is it? There were two other times in verses 16 and 17. It says, and then he said again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And that is the same Greek word, meaning, you love me with the love of the Lord, or with the love of God. And his answer was, yes, Lord, you know that I... This is what he said the first time, and now he's repeating himself, it is Peter. So it's the same both times. But the answer our Lord gives to him is, feed my sheep. And the word feed here is more that of shepherding in other ways than the actual feeding, such as in the tending of the sheep, and all that's involved, like raising a family. There's, there's much involved than just providing food on the table breakfast, lunch, and dinner, is there? And then 17, he said the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me. Meaning the same agape love. But this time, Peter was grieved because the Lord said to him the third time, lovest thou me. And he said unto him, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Well, this time, the Lord does a change-up, and he uses the same word that Peter used to him. You phileo me, meaning Peter. You love me as a friend. You love me as a brother, but not with the love of the Lord. And I'll get into that shortly, but let me say this, that many commentators believe that Christ is calling Peter to that higher love, as it were. And which he does all of his people, 
but especially those who are called to the full-time service of the gospel. Simon, you love me with that love because that is what is required for you to serve me and to be able to finish the job. So Peter clearly understands where our Lord is coming from. And we know that because each time he says, I know that you know that I delay you. In other words, you know my heart. You know that I love you. Although it is yet in that maturing state. And so out of exasperation, I like to think, he replies, Lord, you know all things. In other words, you're omniscient. You're the everlasting God. You know that I delay you. You know that I love you as a brother. And he says to his disciples previously that if you're my friends, if you're my brothers, you will abide in me and I am in you. So even though Peter was not spiritually all there yet, he would be one day. And it would be soon. You see, for example, in his letter, his admonition to the church in this letter, 2 Peter 3, at the end, verse 18, the following, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Give me glory forever now. The lesson driven home by Jesus to Peter grieved him. And why? So that he would understand his own heart. So that he would know himself better. Peter was grieved at Jesus' threefold repetition. But think of this how three times over he denied the Lord. And so, this threefold petition, bitterly, only too bitterly, recalls Peter's threefold denial of the Lord in Luke 22, 31-34. This to be a very important passage in that it has some information here to show how our Lord shepherds this flock and here in the flesh. And the Lord said here in Luke 22, 31 to 34, Simon, Simon. Simon is uh, perhaps a, a, an intimate name, like a nickname. Like my name would be Yermo, but I'd be called Hill by my friends, or my brethren. Behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat with his fingers. But I have prayed for thee. That thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. 
And yet at this point of Christ's ministry prior to his ascension to his glory, the Lord was not doubtful of Peter's love whatsoever. For each time Jesus charges Peter to feed the flock, the shepherd, the sheep, he wouldn't do that if he didn't think that he was up to the task. That he was ready. That he was ready. Even as he is where he's at in terms of his recovery of his stumbling. I like to think of stumbling, not fall, because fall implies something that is far worse, right? Falling from the faith. And our Lord is the one who we go to, and to him that is able to keep us from stumbling. It will not be easy. And for one thing, there will be Gentile sheep that will be added to Christ's fold. As our Lord reminded them, other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, meaning of you Jewish believers, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, even as you hear my voice. And there will be one fold and one shepherd. And I am the great shepherd, the good shepherd, and the chief shepherd. Peter and the other disciples must be up to the task. But it's like ministers that start out in a new call, especially when they come right out of seminary, and they're green, unless they've had the privilege of being mentored in their upbringing in the faith, which is, I was given, they're green under the gills. And so they are learning right along with the congregation, not just their task description, but even their walk with the Lord. And Peter was like that. He was not up to the task. They were not up to the task. But Peter did love the Lord Jesus. Jesus knew it. It knew Peter. Peter's ardent temperament would eventually give way to a patient work of love. One last thing I would mention. He would be crowned with martyrdom. He would die for his Lord. He would go to prison and die for his Lord eventually, 30 years down the road. But at the writing of, of, of John, at the writing, of, especially at this conclusion of the Gospel of John, this was already a matter of the past. It had already taken place, this martyrdom. Thirty years had passed since this event took place in the writing of John. The very manner of death by which he was to glorify God was indicated in the following words in our passage in John 21. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou was old, thou girdest thyself, and then you put on your own clothes, and walkest whither thou wouldest. You went wherever you wanted to. You didn't need to have anyone to help you. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands. This is speaking of in the understanding of the church, the tradition, is being stretched out on the cross. 
himself, like his Lord. And another shall gird thee, or dress thee, or undress thee, like we did our Lord. And carry thee whither thou wouldst come. This spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, Follow me. devotion to the Lord would entail. Nothing new, nothing surprising in the sense that he told him all along, even from the get-go. He says, he that loveth father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not up his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. That loseth his life for my sake, the gospels. Whenever a Christian follows Christ, he must be prepared to suffer and to die. To die to self, to die to sin, to die to the devil, and even to die to his present life. As I said, Peter lived 30 more years. Serving the Lord. I'm sure they were 30 wonderful and glorious years. I won't say making up for the past, but certainly showing his love and thankfulness to God for so great salvation. And Peter actually anticipates death awaiting him toward the end of his last letter, 2 Peter. And he says, and I'll turn to it in first. In 2 Peter 1, 12 through 15. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you, brethren, Christians, always in remembrance of these things. That's my job. That's what I've been tasked with, to feed the flock of God, to preach the gospel. We instant in season, out of season. To reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Though you know them and be established in the present truth. Some of these things are repetition of the Lord. You get the point, but do we? Or do we need the Lord to repeat it to us three times? Like in the case of Peter. Yeah, I think it needs as long as I'm in this tabernacle I'm speaking about this temple, temple of the Holy Spirit. To stir you up by putting you in remembrance. I want you to remember this. I want you, my children, and your children, you want them to know the faith. You want them to know Jesus Christ. Do not settle for less, for you will be a participant in their loss. They should leave the faith. Whereas if you are faithful and Continue in prayer, instant of prayer. Even long after they left their home, I tell you, God is faithful to his promises. Each of train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That not only holds to families, but to a congregation like you all. One Christ. Knowing that shortly I must put off this by tabernacle. He's actually saying an un, 
no uncertain terms, one day I'm going to have to be divested of this tabernacle, and I'm going to die, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Those are what we just read. And even the manner in which he is to die. Can you imagine if the Lord were to tell you that you were going to die, but not just any old way, but you're going to die a martyr's death? I don't know if I'm up to that. I don't know if I'm ready for that. Well, Lord, spare me from that. That's not, the, that's not my calling. At least, I don't think it is. Uh, but no, you are, because I'm giving you that calling. He goes on to say, Moreover, I will endeavor that you, God's people, may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. That's his main concern. Such suffering and death only brings glory to God. Even as he also purports in his previous letter, if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you, blessed. But the spirit of glory of God resteth upon you. On their part is evil spoken of, but on your part is glorified. Yet if a man suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, but it is the power of God and the salvation. Everyone that believeth, the Jew first and also As I said, tradition records Peter's suffering death under the hand of Nero in AD 67-68. And he was crucified only upside down. So as not to be crucified like a star. So possibly, I'm just or suggesting this that he requested that it be done that way and not the other lesser story. Love shall mean more than these, more than life itself, more than living in this present world, more than enjoying your families and your friends and life as you know it here. I'm sure those possible explanations for the these that he was to love less to be proved this. And then it says in our passage in, in John 20 in conclusion John 21 Not in conclusion, but uh, we're, we're getting there. Uh, 20. Then Peter turned about, seeing the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on Jesus' breast at supper. This is the one uh, whom was said the Lord loved, who was the beloved of the Lord, who was always seemingly there right at his side. You know, there's some that are closer to you of your children and others. Uh, that's, that's to be expected uh, for whatever reason. Not that you don't love them all, not that they don't all love you, but that you have that special one. And uh, so did our Lord in, in John. And so uh, Peter, he looks around and sees John following them. Maybe they were walking as they were talking. There's John walking behind him, all this, you know, maybe he's the recorder and he's getting all this uh, 
written down up here so that you can transcribe down here, down the road, okay? Uh, and, then, and then, of course, Peter, he looks at him and says, that one who uh, leaned on your breast and the one who said, Lord, is he the one that betrayed me? Meaning Judas. So what about John? What happened to John? Seemingly had a deep concern for John. And I hope so, because he should have a concern for, for all of the disciples, especially as it appears that God is going to use him to be the head, as it were, the president of the city, of the church, if you will. Or perhaps it was one of envy, where uh, we, as I was, ministers, are all men at the white feet, or they're not. Knowing that he's Christ's beloved disciple. Uh, our Lord, the on and says, If I will that they that he tarry or wait till I come, what is that to you? Follow you me. Follow me. Peter's primary concern must not be for John, but for Peter. And for the Lord to continue to be devoted to Christ and to the service of his church and his gospel. That must be his all-consuming passion and nothing else. And there is not to be all of this envy and jealousy and strife in the church. And it must be given to you by your godly example, by your being a peacemaker amongst Christ's people, by your being one who sets the tone for the church by one another flock and teaching them to follow that example of Christ. Is one of Christ to, to you now, or maybe you now. That must be your all-consuming passion and nothing else. And then 23, then went this saying abroad among the brethren that, that the disciple, meaning John, should not die. Yet Jesus said not to him, he shall not die, but if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to me? And so the way I understand that is this. So, if John, John happens to live to my second coming, what is that to you? What business is that of yours? And it would turn out that John would be the one apostle who would outlive them all. He'd be the one apostle that would tarry, meaning he would wait, he would never be persecuted in that same manner, but he would be isolated on the island of Patmos. Don't prepare your life in service to anyone else. Look at me, follow me. And then John writes, this is the disciple himself, which testified of these things, and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true by all the marks of an eyewitness, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written, everyone, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books that should be written. Amen. God chooses only to reveal what he wants and no more. And that is what we need. Truth revealed 
to us, such as in the Gospel of John, which we are now coming to the conclusion of, is sufficient to bring anyone to faith in the Son of God. And by the way, the Gospel of John is a wonderful book to use in discipling others for Christ. In conclusion, I want to also read again the words of Peter because his writings, aside from the fact that they are inspired by the Holy Spirit and of God, are very insightful as far as the growth in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. He writes in 1 Peter 5, 2-4, in conclusion, First Peter 5, 2 through 4. Feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, not by force, like having your arm twisted, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, that's for money, which is sadly what motivates some in the ministry. Don't let that be why you're in the ministry, why you feed the flock of God. Don't think of the numbers. Don't think of the size of your church, but of a ready mind, meaning you are, you are, you are set for the defense of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're set for the equipping of the saints for the service of their king. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. like our Lord said to all of his people at the end of Matthew thou good and faithful servant and with now the joy of thy Lord I trust that this is what you are longing for and I, even though you may not be called to the ministry perhaps you're not even called to any particular office or teaching capacity or maybe you are and maybe you're yet to find that out as, as Peter and the disciples to find out. Look to the Lord. Trust in Him. Simon Peter, notice thou me, more than these, let us pray. O Father in heaven, we do love you. You are our Lord and our Savior. You are our all in all. You are the reason why we have sonship with you, why we are your children, why we are forgiven of our sins, and why we are given the hope of glory, a blessed hope which shall not make us to be ashamed because the love of God which is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit resides in us and, and bears witness through us that we are the children of God. We praise you. We thank you. We ask that you would bless us as you did Peter, as you did also the other disciples that were with you, as you did, Lord, all of those many disciples that have begun to follow you when you were on this earth. And many more, Lord, who have since in church history become followers of the Lamb, whithersoever he goes. Help us, O oh God, to be faithful followers of you regardless of what position we have in the church, but especially if, Lord, you've called us to 
greater service than your name. Lord, may we be motivated by that one true and eternal and everlasting love, the covenant love displayed on Calvary's cross and the empty tomb and in the resurrection to the grave.